Hey, welcome to the EBR podcast, formerly known as the eBook Revolution podcast. We've had a bit of a makeover, new graphics, new music, just a new focus. The eBook Revolution podcast, of course, was uh, focused on um, self-publishing eBooks. The mission of the podcast has drifted a bit over the last 12 months, and we're more focused now on talking to writers about writing and publishing, and um, just learning their secret source and getting under the skin, into the brains of writers and bringing some of that information to you on this uh, podcast. So ebook revolution seemed a bit long-winded and a bit redundant, so um, hence EBR. That's the uh, reason behind the name change. I'd love to know what you think. Uh, drop us a line on the, um, drop us a note on our podcast webpage, www.ebookrevolutionpodcast.com. Episode 32 of EBR is sponsored by Madhouse Media Publishing. Why Google yourself to death trying to duct tape your first ebook together? Because there is a much easier solution. Madhouse Media produces and publishes high quality ebooks and print on demand for clients all over Australia and the world. We'll make sure your ebook and pod looks great on Amazon, Smashwords, Barnes & Noble and Apple Bookstore. Madhouse Media can help you with your entire publishing project or just help you out exactly where you need it. They can help you with proofreading, editing, cover and layout design, ebook conversion, publishing on demand, ebook publishing, marketing services, launch planning and strategy, and website and platform development. To find out more about how Madhouse Media Publishing can help you, just pop along to www.madhousemedia.com.au. Let's just get into the show. We're going to talk about Abdullah the Cossack with H.M. Nakfi, who I had the very great pleasure of meeting at the uh, Ubud uh, Writers' Festival last October in 2019, and uh, we bonded over whiskies. Fantastic man. Very, very, very friendly, very direct, and uh, we had some very good conversations, one of which... I captured for you officially here in the podcast. So let's get into it. H.M. Navke is the author of Homeboy and the Selected Works of Abdullah the Cossack. He's a graduate of Georgetown and the Creative Writing Program at Boston University. H.M. Navke won the Fellum Prize for Poetry and represented Pakistan at the National Poetry Slam in Annabelle, Michigan. In recent years, he taught creative writing at BU and presently divides his time between Karachi and the U.S. East Coast. And um, I had the great pleasure of talking to him. And let's just listen to the interview now. This is H.M. Nakvi, and I hope you enjoy.
so congratulations on Abdullah the Cossack. Um, it must be satisfying to no longer be a brand new debut novelist. I was figuring out how to write when I was writing uh, Homeboy. Um, it was my first novel. Uh, I'm sort of, I studied literature, but writing a novel is a completely different mode of being, uh, set of skills. Um, you have to learn how to put words together as if you're a child. And, uh, and so mercifully the second time around, it wasn't as challenging to negotiate structural issues and, 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 and problems that you face uh, that ostensibly, and especially in retrospect, uh, seem mundane. But, but when you're trying to frame a scene or make a character three-dimensional, these things in the beginning are sort of, uh, were very challenging for me. So there's a kind of tyranny that comes with writing the second novel because writing the first novel there's no expectations on if it's going to be published. You're more free, is that true? You know, we're all configured differently and um, as human beings and as, and, and as novelists and I think that there, with, as far as I'm concerned, I just felt somewhat empty um, after Homeboy, it was as if I had nothing more to say and, and, and uh, it took me a few years to find my feet and um, uh, almost literally because I uh, started during this time walking around the city that I'm, 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 it's my, my hometown city I'm very familiar with, with but it's a city that keeps changing. And uh, these peregrinations informed the location of um, the, the frayed mansion that Abdullah the Cossack inhabits. He's a 70-year-old who comes from a uh, very well-to-do business family that has fallen on hard times, so they don't have cash to like repair broken uh, mosquito netting and 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 and. Uh, his, uh, his, his bathtub is always on the verge of cracking up and, and, and so on. Um, so it took me time to figure out what I wanted to do next. But once Abdullah's voice uh, spoke to me, it, uh, it actually flowed uh, faster than I thought it would. So discovering that voice, and of course he's the personification of a lost Karachi, I understand, is the sense of place, um, as you just talked about, important in creating a character like that? Um, I, every uh, question that uh, you pose, I will uh, 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 footnote or, 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 or employ the following caveat that we're all just configured differently. I fundamentally feel that I lack imagination and unless I live it, uh, unless I experience it, unless I research it, I can't write it. And so since I was in Karachi, 
Karachi impo- imposed on my consciousness and my creative process. Um, I'm eager now to sort of leave Karachi and 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 uh, and, and 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 draw inspiration from a different topography and a different uh, urban infrastructure. And uh, I'm. Uh, I don't have the money to travel around, but I have uh, narrowed down in my mind a few cities that I want to set my next novel in, and let's see where my peregrinations take me uh, for my third novel. Have you begun that third novel? I have not started it, but it takes me at least a year or so, if not two, like last time, to kind of... mm, it's, it's it's always in the back of my head, and uh, and so I don't consciously work on it, but subconsciously things are coming together in the back of my head, and I think as soon as I'm done writing these few commissioned non-fiction pieces, um, I will uh, I will put pen to paper and embark on the third journey. One thing that strikes me about your writer's voice reading um, a Dollar and Homeboy is it's instantly recognisable. Some novelists struggle through their whole career to find a voice, but you seem to have found it right out of the gate. Is that something you were conscious of, or did it just naturally evolve? The voice for young Chuck in, uh, in Homeboy sort of was a function of the anxiety of all of us, I think, because I think we're all fundamentally uh, similar in that we need food and we need sustenance and we need uh, a roof over our head and we need uh, some love in our lives and we uh, uh, want to love and want to be loved. So these are sort of very basic uh, human imperatives. And in Homeboy, I channel the, the the imperatives of young men and, and homeboy is fundamentally a Bildungsroman, a coming of age story, not different than say Catcher in the Rye or Bright Lights Big City. Um, wh- whereas Abdullah the Cossack does also contend with these basic human imperatives. Uh, Abdullah's quest is about finding meaning in his life, um, uh, whereas young men uh, are often finding a drink in the, in the evening and, and, and contending with their hormones. Abdullah is contending with history and, and, uh, and his place in it. And so even though Abdullah is a 300-pound diabetic uh, suffering from hemorrhoids and ontological panic, he is, in a way, no different from you and I or anybody who wants to live a life that has some meaning in it. The sense of place you conjure is mesmerising. And reading Abdullah, I can breathe, smell and taste Karachi, even though I've never been there. We'll get there one day. Um, you, you bring this to life on the page. How, how important is the sense of place to your writing? I don't think I can write without a sense of place and again it's different from 
for everybody. Uh, Graham Greene, for instance, uh, his critics uh, maintain that his novels, whether they're set in Havana or, uh, or, or Vietnam or, uh, or Sierra Leone, uh, Heart of the Matter, one of my favorite novels, they're, they're basically green inhabits a place called Greenland and, 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 and they're interchangeable and I, uh, whether or not I agree with the critics on this particular matter um, place becomes uh, is, is sort of imperative to the way I think about character because even though we share this, the humans share the same imperatives we're shaped by different places um, living in rural China is dramatically different than living in in, in Shanghai. Uh, living in, um, in 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 Karachi is actually very similar to living in Lagos or or Rio de Janeiro. Um, uh, these megalopolises, and and you have to negotiate uh, a certain sensibility uh, and a certain topography and certain infrastructure and, and, and these cities are, are, uh, are bursting at the seams. And, and so um, I cannot fathom character without place. So you need to live in a place to let that stew. Well, we are shaped by the places that we live in. Um, I, uh, for instance, require the sea uh, because Karachi is uh, uh, set on the uh, Arabian Sea and so the smell of salt in the air in the evening is something that I find myself yearning for when I happen to find myself in a place in a mountainous region like let's say I had the misfortune of spending uh, a few months in Austria which is pretty and tidy and organized um, and, and, and dead uh, whereas Karachi is uh, disorganized and uh, there's uh, there's uh, air pollution and there's and there's noise pollution but uh, but it's uh, it's because, but because of the smell of salt in the night air it's familiar territory and 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 it shapes my sensibility um, and I should try to get away from from the sea and 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 in my next, you know, my, my next journey might take me to the mountains and then and, and, and let's see what happens. <laughs> see what happens indeed. You, of course, won the inaugural DSC Prize for South Asian Literature. How important was that win for your career? When I was writing Homeboy, I uh, didn't think the novel would ever get published. Um, it's a very uh, uh, difficult industry um, and increasingly so uh, uh, where literary fiction uh, 
doesn't uh, command the same uh, sway over our consciousness, uh, collective consciousness, as it did maybe half a century ago, um, when uh, you know when there was a time when people read because there was no television and and there was no and, and there was no radio and and novels were entertainment and literally people read dickens everybody read dickens it wasn't considered literary fiction it was just good good fiction character driven uh, fiction um so i didn't i didn't think i would get published and mercifully somehow whimsically i i i did and it was and it's always surprising to me that when someone comes up to me and says well i really enjoyed your book and and it's and uh because for a moment you're like that uh, you know that, that that was something that took place in my head and uh and and so it's surprising when somebody comes up and enjoys the book and then it's even more surprising that it um it uh was considered for a prize and uh and uh, uh it went up against uh sort of very capable uh, other very uh, very capable books and and uh, and homeboy came out swinging and it's it, so it's it it was surprising and it's heartening that uh that that um that the that what i was doing without and and i didn't know what i was doing uh kind of worked going backwards from um winning prizes let, let's talk about your pathway to becoming an author mm. uh you made the jump from a career in financial services um to creative writing classes at boston university what drove you to dive into the world of fiction I have been writing since I was a child um and I think even before I could form words I would uh, uh commit doodles to the page and so this imperative um uh, is something that I uh, think I was born with and I wrote uh <laughs> a, a, a I assembled a short story collection which I came across uh in my archives I think earlier this year in 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 and uh, I collected this the short story collection I stapled a bunch of short stories together in I think 5th grade and so that was a self published uh, my first <laughs> self published volume and so I had always aspired to continue writing but it was practically very difficult um throughout through college through my first job I would write at night and I would write short stories uh, which is a very different medium um and looking back it was as if I was um ex- learning how to write and 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 refining my craft uh I know that I wasn't capable of embarking on a novel uh before I did and I, I and I and I only had the confidence or, or or I was foolhardy when I was about 30 I think when I started writing homeboy um and 
So, but all those years were devoted to kind of refining the craft. And so, Homeboy is, a, is part of a continuum. Uh, it's not, it, 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 didn't, it didn't happen uh, whimsically. It, it's, it's part and parcel of who I am. What's your writing routine? What, what do you need to work? I, I think that um, being a writer uh, involves not only the production of prose, but it involves figuring out how you work. And as I wrote Homeboy, I not only learned how to put together words in a sentence and string along sentences into a paragraph in the service of a narrative, I learned how I work. And I work till about five in the morning. Um, I would wake about midday. I would have some lunch after some very, very light aerobic exercise. And I would have my first session from about three to six and I would work at a cafe and then I would go home, nap, then I'd have my second session from about 9 to 11 p.m. I'd have dinner at midnight and then work through the night. And so that's how I wrote Homeboy and that was one part of it. Another part is that I have a quota, a daily quota of 300 words a day and it's a low bar because it's 300 words is basically about three paragraphs, about a page. Um, but I never, I, I always meet my quota and I usually hit 500 words a day but I learned that if I kept the bar high and not make it, uh, I would always feel like I'm in a hole and I, and I had to dig myself out of a hole. So. These are these, you know, eccentric parts of my regime, or and and and, and it works for me. But it, I don't advocate it. I, different things work for different people. There are people who belt out three thousand words of prose a day and and complete a book within two years or a year. And there are actually novelists who actually can also complete a book every six months. Um, I, it takes me five years. I'm, I'm slow, and maybe I'll get slower <laughs> before I'm dead. I want to write four, four more books. I think I'd be content with uh, six books. And, and I think by the time I, you know, and, and, and I think I'll hit six books when I'm, by the time I'm 60, and then I'll, and, and then the rest will be bonus. And that, or that's the way I think about it. <laughs> What advice would you give to anyone that's listening who feels compelled to take up the life of a writer? It's, uh, it's a very tough life. It's, um, it's tough because, practically speaking, it doesn't pay. And and um, and so one is compelled to kind of um, complement one's meager earnings with sort of um, um, with odd jobs and 
and, and, and so, you know, depending on the job, you know, I read this fantastic memoir by an American author who was known during his time called Jim Harrison. And Jim Harrison's, who, you know, has nothing to do with me. He grew up in the between the wars and the in the depression and uh, the great depression in the midwest and he hailed from a S swedish immigrant family um and he worked odd jobs all his life um and so you have to be prepared for this kind of thing you have to be prepared for the great anxiety that comes with uh, producing something uh, that may or may not ever find an audience and so you have to be committed uh, in a way that you don't have to be committed to in um, uh, in, uh, in, in other professions um, but I think um, if you're if you accept the, uh, the the challenges then I think my advice would be that writers need, you can't call yourself a writer if you don't write every day. You have to write every day, whether it's in the service of a long project or not. You need to exercise your mind every day and you have to get into this habit. You have to, you have to, uh, this mode of being. And, uh, and so all you need to do is take out not more than an hour um, every day uh, and that means you know watching less television or or, or, or spending less time surfing the net or, or uh, and 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 so it's not you think about it, it's not really that asking for too much it's it's something that's quite manageable um, but you need but again as far as I'm concerned, you, need, you just need to be at it all the time. Let me flip that question around. What's the best advice you ever received as a writer? Um, <laughs> that's a tough one because um, because there is no. I mean, I can't think back to a eureka moment. Uh, when somebody said something and it sort of put everything into place, it was trial and error. It was it's it's like um, it's like it's like being a carpenter. You 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 have to hammer hammer on every day, um, working on a uh, on a on 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 a piece of furniture that that. Um, you that you don't have a sense of the dimensions. You don't know whether the legs will sustain the weight of the of the uh, of the surface, and and so you just you know you 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 have to, but you have to keep hammering, and 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 and, and then there's a finishing process, and 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 so yeah, that's the way that I think about it. I mean, one can use any sort of metaphor. I, I enjoy eating and enjoy cooking. And so when I when I have, you know, I, I buy some ingredients and I just stare at them for a good half an hour before figuring out 
what goes with what and what I should do. And it's also analogous to me, uh, to, to, to the writing process. It sounds like a great point to wrap it up. Mm. What, what's next for HM Navby? Um, I uh, hope to write four more books before I'm dead. <laughs> and, um, and, um, and I don't know if I'll uh, die first uh, or... or, or <laughs> <laughs> but it's important to me to persist because the only the only activity or the, the only thing in life that uh, provides any modicum of self-worth is the 300 words of prose I write a day. It's uh, not so much my relationships or or or. or or, or my health, or or, or 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 money. It's it's actually the the, uh, the the yeah. It's 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 the 300 words a day, and and it's 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 integral to the way I think about myself. It's integral to my identity. Well, thank you for appearing on the podcast. Let's hope there's many more than four books. <laughs> thank you. That was H.M. Navke, and I hope you enjoyed listening to the interview as much as I did enjoy talking to H.M. at the Ubud Writers and Readers Festival in 2019. And I particularly like his methodology. 300 words a day. Stick to them, but make them good words. Works for H.M. I'm sure it could work for you. And it's working for me as well. That's it for us on the show for episode 32 of the EBR podcast. Um, Relaunched, rebadged, new music, whatever you're listening on, Stitcher, iTunes, um, Google, uh, whatever your favorite platform. If you could give us a review, that would be fabulous. Just um, when you finish with the podcast, just just pop into whatever platform and uh, give us a review because reviews are great. Um, and if you enjoy the show, uh, share it because uh, the more the merrier. That's it for me. You've been listening to Jeff Hughes on the EBR podcast. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.